Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger, and with me, as usual, is gender-bending mezzo-soprano and birthday boy, Sean Dunham. Hi, Sean. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Jazz hot, baby. Jazz hot, indeed. Sadly... Violent celebrity mom, Jeremy Laguie, had a bit too much birthday cake and has to sit this week out. So Aww. it's just me and Sean. Our thoughts are with you, mommy. Thoughts and prayers. Jeremy Dearest. Thoughts and prayers, Jared Dearest. This week, we're celebrating Sean's birthday. Yay! Woo, 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 woo. Our sweet baby boy turned the ripe old age of 21 this past week. Thank you. And we decided to set him by each picking a movie that's right up his alley. As always, spoiler alerts are in full effect, so listeners beware. Otherwise, you just might find out that Sean isn't really 21. Sonia, no, you're actually 20. Yeah, I'm actually much younger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can tell by my... But you're mature. My high girlish voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know yeah. what? That gives me an idea. <laughs> let's, uh, let's create a stage show. Uh, that will make sense in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's get right down to it. So basically, this week, each of the three of us, including Jer, um, picked a movie that... Uh, you hadn't seen, um, or had. No, I hadn't seen any of okay, them. Okay, that the you three. hadn't seen that we thought you would like. Um, you know what, Sean? You're the birthday boy, so do you want to go first and tell us about what you picked? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I chose for myself um, a little film from 1982 called Victor Victoria, and it was a, a blotch on my record, mm. and I don't know why, but it just has never crossed my path. Mm. And it was very, very fun. It was. It was so fun. Um, it. Do I believe that Julie Andrews is a poor, street-smart uh, grifter with the soprano voice of an angel? Absolutely not. No. Um, but other than that, it was very fun. Yeah. Um, so people that do it may not know... Uh, it's what is it about? Basically, a down on his luck cabaret uh, man mm-hmm. discovers a young ingenue with a beautiful voice, but she's poor and she's she's crafty. And he, it's 1930s Paris, also. It's 1930s Paris, mm-hmm. and so he says, "Why don't we pretend that you are a drag queen with the voice of an angel, and it will really pack people in the house?" And it did. Um, and then obviously shenanigans afoot. Mm-hmm. James Garner pops in. Yeah, he, that was a surprise for me. Yeah, for me as well. And um, and then yeah, they just try to cover up their their shenanigans. Their shenanigans, indeed. Yeah. Have you ever seen this before? Um, I had not. It's like one of those movies that has been on my list for a thousand years. My mom always tells me to watch it. Um. I loved it. Honestly, it was such a such a romp. It was a romp. Mm-hmm. There was okay. So yeah, it was just so so queer and so fun. Mm-hmm. Who is the man that plays the her grifter friend? Yes, he is so great. He, yeah. I apologize to him. I can't remember his I'm name right now. Sorry to this man. I'm sorry to that man. He stars in the Music Man. He's like an old school Broadway dude, and he just like is so good. Robert uh, Preston. Robert Preston mm-hmm. as a 
sort of calculating queer, almost villain, but not really. A villain in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved him. A scamp. Quite the scamp. Mm-hmm. With quite the head of hair. Yeah. Uh, and like, okay, so I was bracing myself. Yes, I as well was bracing right, myself. Right, because, you know, anything to do with anything <laughs> other than yeah. straight white people um, from any time but up until now and including now, <laughs> you, you just know. You're up like, till in- inclusive. You're like, okay, there's going to be some slurs. There's going to be, you know, like just some assumptions made that will, you know, be hurtful. And you know what? There was a slur. There was one, I think. Oh, the F? The F slur, yep. But just one. I don't even remember it. It just rolled right off my back. Mm, Well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Easy breezy. And like, I don't know. I, the, the, the approach to it all was very. I did find that they, so, um, Julie Andrews plays. uh, Victoria West. Victoria West. Which sounds like an adult performance. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Who is like a count. um, And uh, James Garner and his girlfriend Mm -hmm. go to see them, see them in a show. It's incredible. James Garner's like really into it. And he's like, and his girlfriend is so angry at him for being attracted to this woman. And then at the end, she takes off her beaded cap to reveal just slicked back hair. Mm -hmm. But that means to the entire audience that it is a man, Mm -hmm. which I did not think, you know, I didn't think it led, it said that that much. Yeah, I agree. Whichever. Um, And then immediately his face falls. He is shook, shocked, gagged. And so, and then he just like approaches Julie Andrews so aggressively and is like, you're actually a woman because I am attracted to you, and this just wouldn't be the deal. Um, and then it turns out he was just right. Mm. And actually, he he spies on her changing once and discovers that she is a woman. So then I guess that makes the rest of the film where other people thinking that he's getting with a drag queen is, like, fine because he knows. I don't know. It was Well, it's sort of this conflict for his character. Where he, like, loves her and wants to be with her, but she says, well, I'm not giving up this ruse and yeah. admitting that I'm a woman. I'm living as a man publicly. But so I wish that he had a bit more conflict in that he was mm-hmm. perhaps attracted to this person, but did not quite know what was going on within his own mind. Do you know what I mean? Well, yes, because there's this part... Because he knew immediately Exactly. That like, that's... The, it, it takes some of the power out of it because there's this part that I think would have been really powerful where he kisses her and says, I don't care if you are a man. But he knows but at he that point knows. he has seen her undressed and knows that she's not. But it's like that would have been such a beautiful moment if, if he hadn't already known that. Would have been hot. But even still... The like there are various characters' reactions. Like he, he's sort of the the crux of the problem for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the characters are just so cavalier about things. Yeah. In this way that I guess queer folks are and and have been, where it's like, oh yeah, okay, I recognize you, I see you. Like yeah. Um, who had a the there's also a reaction by his bodyguard named Squash mm-hmm. who when he discovers that his boss 
has been hooking up with what he thought was a drag queen. Mm -hmm. This uh, emboldened Squash to come out as queer. And then, as soon as he did, he just kissed his own boss on the lips, which is not really... Yeah, not ideal. ...the way you do. HR does not approve of HR doesn't approve, no. Um, There were some very interesting moments that I thought almost served as, like, or almost were coded, or I... Okay, I almost read them as though... The people were talking about Victor as, like, a trans man. Mm-hmm. I can't... I wish I had written some of this down, but, like, there are all these parts where... No, see, I can't say anything smart about it because I didn't write it down, but... I know what you mean, though. The... I guess, like, this period of time, I feel like transvested... Transvestitism was, like, more of what people were... Like, the language that people mm-hmm. were using. And so, I've... And obviously is, like, very old and clunky and not what we say now, but I feel like that was kind of the vibe then. Mm -hmm. Or what they were, what they thought the count was. Um, May I speak for a moment about uh, a little woman named Leslie Ann Warren? I I would be delighted if you would. So Leslie Ann Warren, who listeners might know, we watched Clue, uh, and she plays Miss Scarlet. She's incredible. Mm -hmm. And the other role that she is kind of known for is as Norma, his gangster gangster girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she Who has, talks like this, yes, of course. Of course. And she has a wild voice. It's so high. And then she does a number, Chicago, Illinois, mm-hmm. that is like should win every award in Honestly, the Honestly, I was gagged. It was, I was gagged. I was gooped. It was completely incredible. Yeah. Um, just like the, um, I love when people do comedy while singing. It's Same. so good. It's so funny. Yeah. Big Madeline Kahn vibes. Very big Madeline Kahn vibes. Madeline Kahn wishes. R. And R. honestly, like, Julie Andrews kind of wishes. Like, Julie I wanted. Andrews wishes. Sorry. I wanted a bigger musical number for I, her. I just, yeah, like, you know, it has to be said, Julia Andrews has. An incredible voice, oh, voice yeah. of an angel. Absolutely. But she's just not bringing the grit or, like, mm. the attitude that I was kind of expecting from this person. And then, honestly, the audience was reacting in a way that was, like, and it was just, like, this is just a nice song. And, yeah. like, she's not doing too much. Yeah. She's not giving any humor. She's not showing a stitch of her body. And she is covered from wrist to tip to toe. Yeah. And, yeah, it just was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was her being, like, demanding this for herself or what, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. But, yeah, the comparison with Leslie Ann Warren is just, like, it, it does her no favors in that regard. No. It's like, who do I want to be hanging out with? <laughs> right. Well, and who do I want to watch a number from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved also the part when... Um, there's a moment where, uh, what is her, oh, Victor, or whoever the the main character is, who's Julie Andrews play? Victoria. Victoria. Victor Victoria. Victor Victoria, as we know. Anyway, she goes to reveal to Norma that she is actually a woman, mm-hmm. and Norma's reaction is so funny. She's yeah. just like backing away, just like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Julie Andrews goes like, I've got something to show you. And then she goes, well, lock the door. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah, obsessed. Um, Can we talk about the ending? 
or rather lack thereof. It was a very lack thereof. Okay, yes. So, like, okay, so basically uh, the club owner, I believe, has caught on. The wolves are circling. The wolves are circling because, okay, although there is no way that anyone of any particular gender looks, that's a, that's a myth mm-hmm. that there is a way to look like a man or a woman. I would say that I don't think that Julie Andrews' portrayal of a man is the most convincing. Not not a stitch. She doesn't pass, per se. No. Um, so I w- I'm not surprised, you know, that someone was that on someone her. clogged her quite yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. Also, because she sings so high. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Anyway. Um, so they know. But then they get tipped off, I think, that they're, like, about to be caught out. And so the solution, question mark, is that she puts, like, goes back to dressing as a woman, goes and sits in the audience, and Where she pal, is so recognizable, where, right, everyone, she looks exactly where the same. everyone would look at, it's at the show would be like, oh, they're right there. They're right. in the front row. Because on stage, she you is... Look exactly <laughs> like this. ...giving woman. Um, and then, but then her, you know, her bestie goes up and does the performance instead. Um, and it just becomes a comedy version of a number that she has done previously. Yeah, it's the same number, except that he just is like messes it up a bunch. Right, he's like doesn't look beautiful in the gown and can't sing high and he can't dance and falls over and falls over a lot. And the audience (laughs) is howling. They're rolling in the. It's the absolute best thing we've ever seen. But then the movie just ends after that. Yeah, because (laughs) you would think that all the people that were there to close down Victor. They would be like, oh, well, he's not on stage, but he is right there. Right, literally in the front row. It's honestly, it's the same ending as Sound of Music, basically. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, where you're just Where it's like, oh, they got away with it. And it's like, no, a bunch of nuns got probably in a lot of uh, Nazi trouble. But, you know, we won't, (laughs) I guess we won't think about that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, like, was it ever revealed that it was a ruse? Um and what about the people... Did she have a career after that? The paying ticket holders. Right. Did they get refunded? Uh, did they get refunded? <laughs> That's what I'm really worried about. Uh, the ticket office have, would have to do so many refunds. Um, okay. um, a part I also appreciated, so when she is uh, down on her luck, mm-hmm. hard scrabble, um, grifter, but again, with the voice of an angel, <laughs> yeah. she eats at a fancy restaurant, and then her plan is to throw this cockroach that she has in her purse onto her salad. And get it for free. But the cockroach escapes and she almost has to pay for it. But then the cockroach is discovered on a woman's leg. And then I really appreciated how instead of the uh, like the entire room going up, it just immediately cuts to outside of the restaurant where yeah. it's dead silent. And you just see the camera is still and you see the entire restaurant exploding inside through the through the windows glass, yeah and i thought that was a very that was a really fun way to do that i agree cuz it's like yeah you could have just shown everyone breaking the tons of glassware which they do throughout the film anyway mm. things are falling breaking smashing oh it's slapstick city it is every time every time you're in a crowded like you know people are singing dancing there is going to be a brawl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, 
it's very fun. It's a very fun movie. A lot of snappy dialogue, a lot of, you know, double entendres and puns and very um a lot of physical comedy. When he sing his first number is uh about gay parade. Gay parade. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Well So overall? I ten out of ten, 10 Victor out Victoria, out of 10. I have to say. Um would I actually while I was watching it I was like, this would be a great musical. Mm. Obviously it is a musical. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, and I would love to see a production of that because I think that they could have honestly a better a better main actor. I agree. Again, Julie Andrews, if you're listening, I'm so sorry, but Right, you're an icon. You she's you're an, fine. You're an icon. Stick with stick with the sound of music. Stick with Princess Diaries. I do think she like I do think she did a good job. Um, she didn't she drop the ball. She I just expected. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was funny. But you're right. I just like, I wanted a little more, a little more sass from this, mm. from this gal. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Let's take a hard left turn. Okay, please. We're going to save the, the movie that's more similar to this movie, I think, for last. We're going to sandwich. <laughs> We're going to sandwich Jeremy's pick. Oh, yeah. Um. So, Jared did send in his rationale for picking this movie, which I will read in a moment. Please. But this movie that he chose was The Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. which I believe we have actually talked about on the show before. We have talked about it on the show, except I had not seen it. And now you have. Because I, as listeners might know, are scared yeah. of everything. And it's a bit scary. It's a bit scary. And even though it is like a twist on the horror convention, mm. They still do some of the things. Yeah. And there is a kind of... I was very anxious. There is... Okay. So, the plot is five teens go to a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. They're very intelligent, smart people, except for one who is a stoner. And then when they get to the cabin, they start behaving in bizarre ways mm-hmm. um, that really make them lean into like horror cliches mm-hmm. um like the one one girl just all of a sudden starts acting like a drunken like sexy blonde mm-hmm. and everyone's like what's up with her um and then obviously she gets murdered right away <gasps> spoiler alert yeah and it was i was that part i was really kind of grossed out yeah it was really gross because there's a long extended sort of scene where these zombie um like I don't know, zombie uh, rednecks or something. Yeah, undead rednecks. <laughs> undead rednecks are chasing them. And then they cut off her head with like a rusty saw. Yeah. And it was gross. But I covered my eyes. I averted my eyes as well. But um, the twist on the convention, and then the, the crew was stalked by these uh, horror zombies, or redneck zombies, the rest of the film. Except the twist is that there is also a sort of corporation of... Um, people working to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Like they funnel in, you know, uh, nerve gas that makes people act in a weird way mm-hmm. um, so that they can get the results that they intend. They have a bunch of monsters on the ready to send it to f- send in and kill them. And it's all to achieve. Now, this is when it gets this part. I was like, what is going on? They do this because they need to sacrifice, they need to have sacrificial, official, 
rituals. rituals to save them from the ancient ones. If they don't get one, then the ancient ones will destroy the earth. Mm-hmm. That I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't need all that. I wish you on, didn't like the sort of frame device of it. No, I kind of wish. I wish that it, when it was just um, people like a Monday to Friday weekend warrior type like white collar people just mm-hmm. work doing their like job but the job is like an insane job that i p- thought was funny but then when it was like the twist of that there's like a an- ancient spirit that's going to destroy the earth and at the end actually does destroy the earth i thought that was weird or that not for me not for me it wasn't for you but well, that's fair yeah but yeah it was it was a it was a fun watch it was a great you know, answer to why horror cliches are so similar all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's because these people are in charge of doing the, sa- the same way every time. Yeah, what did you think? Um, I I really like it, actually. I I do think that it's a bit, like, satisfied with its own cleverness and mm-hmm. sort of, like, creating this device to make this commentary about horror tropes. Yeah. But then also at the same time, I do think it's kind of an interesting, like, um, way of, I don't know, talking about or, like, portraying, like, these really ancient story structures and, like, sort of, like, the, the archetypes that are in stories. And also I think there's kind of this interesting metaphor going on of like the ancient ones as like the viewers of film and this Uh idea that like you have to appease them by like following the rituals and hitting these story notes like that this person has to you know that the the quote unquote like harlot has to die first Um, yeah all of these things so I feel like that is kind of interesting and just the, yeah, like, so Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins play the, like, you know, scientists, engineers, whatever, right. who are orchestrating this to appease the ancient ones. And the their performances, I think, are both so, so good. Yeah, they're very fun. So fun. Like, it opens with them, like, you know, having water cooler chat and then going to, like, And then going to this. their murderous plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't. When it opened with them, I didn't expect that because I did know of the conceit of the film and I thought it was going to be a very late in the film twist. Mm-hmm. And for it to open like that, I was like, oh. Um, yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah. I, but I did oh. love, I love, 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 love when, so at one point, there's two of them left. They, two of the victims, they sneak, manage to sneak into the, corporate headquarters mm-hmm. and they get some eyes on all of the monsters that are just kind of locked away um, which are just like infinite references to horror movies past yeah there's just like um there's like a pin pinhead like, version pin but head. he has saws instead and the thing he's holding is a circle instead of a cube <laughs> yeah i thought that was funny i'm just like a ghost like a, a ethereal ghost in one mm-hmm. cube um yeah it that was, and then ultimately they release all of the monsters onto the corporation, and they get it's an insane bloodbath, mm-hmm. but also so very boring. fun, very yeah. fun, very fun. Um, my favorite part of the movie is so I, basically um, through through exposition we find out that like these 
rituals are basically being run in like every country in the world to try and save humanity. Um, and at one point, it cuts to footage of the Japan ritual, and <laughs> they have this like scary ghost in this classroom full of Japanese schoolgirls, but. The girls have overcome, and they're all in a circle holding hands and, like, I don't know, doing a ritual that yeah. I don't fully understand. And they turn the ghost into a happy little frog. They, like, trap the, the ghost <laughs> into a, a the frog, and they're like, oh! Yay! It's so I don't know. It just is a really fun juxtaposition, I think. Yeah. I guess that, that whole part, too, I was like, so wait, every year, <laughs> every country does this. Yeah. And... To try to save humanity, and they're thwarted all the time. I don't know. It was that was just a little some clunks. There were some clunks. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, Joss Whedon co-wrote this, mm-hmm. and like, there are a lot of things to say about Joss Whedon. But like, the man loves a big premise. You know, he a likes big, a big premise. He did. Yeah, and so there, are, I feel like there are going to be some clunks because he he yeah. loves to be like, ooh, look at this. Clever idea. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, would you like to hear why Jer chose this movie for you? Oh, sure. Yes, please. So Jer says, I picked Cabin in the Woods because I know Sean loves a wild ride. <laughs> this movie constantly messes with conventions of horror movies and plays with them so well. Plus, maybe the best build to a mermaid scene of all time. Oh, yeah. And that's because uh, Richard Jenkins' character, apparently, oh, the, all of the, like, engineers or, like, the people working for this corporation, they all have a pool about what will be the, like, story path that the they end up taking and the monster that, that ends them. up getting them. Yeah. Um, and he apparently picks Mermaid every he, year. Merman. <laughs> Sorry, pardon me. Yeah. Merman! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in a sweet twist of irony... What kills Richard Jenkins? He character. is gobbled right up by that merman. Yeah, and the merman I was not expecting. Well, that be- also was a twist. <laughs> <laughs> to be so gross. Yeah, it was, it was gross. a gross merman. He kind of had like a shark head. Right? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like sexy torso mm. fish body. It was. <laughs> it was. Like, he wasn't serving fish body. <laughs> he was serving like really gross, gross face, violent. Violent body, yeah, very violent. Which is, you know, how a mer person, if if I'm somehow, God willing, humans mate with a fish. <laughs> God willing, God, God hopes, and the creek uh, don't rise. <laughs> that uh, that is probably how they would look. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's the thing. They wouldn't be pretty, or or know how to make th- bras out of seashells. No, they would not be forming. They would not be sewing bras out of seashells. <laughs> Which, you know, you you think underwire is bad. Mm. Imagine a seashell up in there. <laughs> I mean. That would cut you to ribbons. Yikes. Um, what was I going to... Uh, oh, yeah. Was it you telling me about uh, if, a, if a mermaids really existed, that they would probably look very much like porpoisey? Or like they would have to have like a lot of blubber to keep warm in the, in oh, the yeah. cold waters. <laughs> it's now time for us to take a break. Hear a word from our sponsors, blow out the candles and make a wish. We'll be right back with more spoiler alert here on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Tuned into the community. And we're back. 
here on Spoiler Alert. We are going to get back to Sean's birthday episode in just a minute. But first, um, Sean, do you know um, do you know what time it is? Or? Not for years have I known what time it is. I think that's a good way to live, to be honest. No, it's not. I'm missing a lot of appointments. <laughs> that's fair. You know what? Abolish appointments. That's what I said. Yeah. That's my That's, that's your rallying cry. Uh, actually, though, it's game time. What? Oh. <laughs> Birthday air horn. Air horn me a birthday song. Yes. So normally Jared would do this part, but I'm going to do it because I'm so good at it. You had to do it last time too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> for, those, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, the game is where Jared spends all week looking for a movie that we have not seen. He tells us the title. We tell him what we think it's about. He tells us what it's really about. And we all have a great time. Just the best darndest time. Yeah. Sean. Mm-hmm. And me, mm-hmm. are we ready to play the game? Y- yes, I yeah. believe so. <laughs> so, listeners, just for transparency, the way this works is that Jer told us the title. He sent me the description in a text message that I have yet to open. And it's and just been sitting there. Oh, that notification's been burning a hole in my phone. Sitting and looking at you. But I will, if, if that's what you want, Sean, I will show you me opening it. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> That's fine. I don't need all that. Uh, the title of the, the game this week is Three to Tango. Three to Tango? Three, not just two. It's three. That's not how the saying goes, is it? <laughs> That's a twist on the saying, it's isn't it, Sonia? Two to tango. <laughs> okay, I believe that this is about a Dancing with the Stars type reality show. Um, and two feuding celebrities, they've always been like... They, you know, they're stealing each other's boyfriends. They, they're always at odds in the in the tabloids. They're both cast on the show at the same time, but they're um, they're accidentally both uh, given the same partner through a mix up, and then they're like, "This is ridiculous. When will we get another partner?" And they're like, uh, there's no more dancing instructors. Like, maybe." Maybe you guys could just, all three of you could just do a, per, a partner performance. And they're like, absolutely not. But then they start working, the three of them start working together, and they realize that they actually make fire on the dance floor. And they they do this performance, and they do great. And they become, wow. they become begrudging friends, and then they become to really respect each other. Oh, I thought you were going to say lovers. No, they don't become lovers. I wish they would. It doesn't all end. <laughs> it doesn't all end this way. <laughs> That's fair. You know what? That's a hot, fresh take, Sean. Thank I you. That. Um, okay, I think that Three to Tango is about uh, an uptight accountant named Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds his, like an uptight accountant. And his, you know, wild, exciting, vivacious fiance. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> See Jane Tango. See Jane Tango. Um, now, Jane is a dancer by profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that has been a, a point of contention in their relationship is that uh, Steve is too afraid to dance. He won't dance with her. Of course. Um, and Jane has a very flamboyant and delightful partner with whom she dances professionally named Esteban. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Spanish for Steven, which I think is funny because <laughs> her partner's name is Steve. Um, now, Steve is uptight and straight-laced, and his gaydar 
is non-existent. Uh And so he becomes very jealous of the close relationship between Jane and Esteban. And he's spying on them one night because he thinks they're cheating. Um, And he mistakes, you know... They have like a, a hug or something, or and mm. they're like close, and mm-hmm. he he gets the wrong idea, um, and so he is becoming distant and aloof in their relationship. But then he finds out Esteban's gay, and he's like, "Oh, so silly! I'm so silly!" And he goes to Esteban and says, "You know what? I want to surprise Jane for our wedding. I want to learn how to dance so that I can sweep her out onto the dance floor and." It'll be the most romantic thing that's ever happened. This is very fun. Now, Jane oh. catches wind that they're having a secret meeting. And oh she goes God. to the studio and oh she <laughs> sees them hugging and she thinks they're having an affair. And so the whole thing is just, you know, a comedy of airs where he's keeping a secret from her. And she thinks it's that he's cheating on her with her dance partner, no. who's a man. And actually, it's that he's doing a nice surprise for her. Oh, I do love this idea. And I know that it ends with, um, and also it has a big montage of him, of Esteban showing Steve how to dance. And yes, Steve yes, is yes. flopping all over the place and it's a disaster. Oh, I could watch this, Sonia. Right? I could watch. I'd like to be paid now, please, Hollywood. <laughs> That's how it works. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and assume that... Uh, Either Russ were right in any way, shape, or form. Well, don't assume much. We might. Let's confirm. Well, if one of us could appoint some of this. Oh, I'd be so excited. I bet Jared wouldn't even give it to us. No, he's so he's withholding. Uh, Three to Tango stars Matthew Perry. Oh. He could totally be an uptight accountant type. He's Steve. Nev Campbell. Okay. She could be Jane. Dylan McDermott. Oh. He could be a hot, hot gay <laughs> he dancer. He could be his And Oliver Platt. Matt Perry and Oliver Platt are architects vying for a huge building contract for McDermott. <laughs> I got so confused for a second. Um, after assume- Oh, wait, 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 wait. After assuming Perry is gay, <gasps> McDermott asks him to take care of his mistress, Campbell, and ensure that he never meets his wife. They fall in love. Hilarity ensues. Sonia, this is... I feel like that might be half this a point. This is a half point, perhaps. We're going to have to confer with Jerry. We'll have to talk to the jury. The way I just got so excited when I read that. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds fun, honestly. Okay. I would I would see. So, so Dylan McDermott, you know why I got confused? It's because I was thinking of Dermot Mulroney. Oh, that's always the case. <laughs> I was confused. R.I.P. to one of them. I, yeah. I'm not sure which one has passed. Oh. Because they have the same name. <laughs> yeah, they do. Anyway, that sounds good. Well, thank you. Um... Now, some other exciting news, Sean. Yes. CJTR's 2021 Radiothon is almost here. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Radiothon is a week-long festival of special programming and a fundraiser for Regina Community Radio. It starts Friday, October 1st at 7 a.m. and ends Thursday, October 7th at midnight. This year, we're raising $20,000 in celebration of CJTR's 20th anniversary. Incredible. Donations of $100 or more receive a limited edition t-shirt. Oh, I got to find someone to give me $100 so I can get a t-shirt. <laughs> Son, you got to make your own money. And every donation of $25 is entered in a draw for special prize packages at the end of Radiothon. Celebrate local voices and culture by streaming, tuning in, and pledging your support to 91.3 FM, Regina Community Radio, and visit cjtr.ca for full details. Very fun. So exciting. Help us out. We're sitting on bales of hay up here. We're, <laughs> we 
<laughs> we're talking into tin cans. Tin cans with a string. Uh-huh. Sean, do you hear me? <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right. Well, let's get into our third and final movie that we picked for your birthday week. Yes. This was my selection. Mm-hmm. Sonia, can you tell me what it is and why you chose it for me? Yes. I chose Mommy Dearest. Yeah. The film adaptation of the expose slash tell-all memoir published by Christina Crawford, adopted daughter of Joan Crawford, mm-hmm. you know, huge star of stage and screen, um, that alleged awful and lasting abuse uh, by Crawford, by Joan Crawford. Um, And unfortunately, the movie is... (laughs) Harrowing? (laughs) Harrowing, but also silly. Um, So basically, I mean, uh, Christina Crawford's account of what occurred has been heavily disputed um now these things are very complicated and of course you know we we believe victims um it's very difficult when i think someone is very powerful and famous and beloved because there are going to be many people who are willing to you know try to get a piece of the pie well trying it's kind of that the two sides of the coin which is that like there are people who are going to try and profit off of that and then there are also people who will stick by their side and you know say they're innocent Uh, no matter what so i don't claim to know either way um we know that joan crawford was notorious for being very difficult and you know like verbally abusive to other (laughs) people in her professional life so it doesn't feel like that much of a stretch to me but it's very hard to say um so, okay, but so this movie initially was supposed to be a very serious film. Oh, like full drama. Yeah, like full drama, but um, that's not what got made. No, it's not <laughs> what got made. So it stars Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford in this, like, I actually think she did quite a good job, mostly. I think she did a very good job. Yeah, like she looks so much like Joan Crawford and I was reading something about how she had to like really contort the muscles of her face um, and like hold it there to kind of create that expression and like yeah, she does. Awesome. She does great. She like you know maybe the fault lies with the director. Yeah, because there she is eating this film in up and around. She is mm-hmm. like inhaling the scenery. She is just bellowing and she is like storming and raging and she like you know the director's job is like you give a lot Mm -hmm. and then they're supposed to maybe pull you back if it's too much and Faye Dunaway was doing her job and she was giving the most you could possibly imagine she is whacking a girl with a fun wire hanger oh my goodness she is throwing herself all over the place it was like I honestly was like I could watch this yeah over and over it she just when she just bellowed like Christina get the axe yeah it was like this is the wildest thing I've ever seen yeah and that's the thing like this movie has become kind of a meme for those moments or like the wire hanger scene yeah um and so that led me to think that it would be more silly and funny than it was there's a it's honestly like because there are some very graphic depictions it's of abuse. Gra- it's, she's graphically um, beating the crap out of this child. Yeah. And it is not 
easy to watch. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, there are some obvious cutaways of, like, a wire hanger, like, hitting a very close-up shot of, like, a pink blanket. Yeah. That's, like, supposed to be, like, a back or whatever. But, um, but she also, like, Faye, like, the actress that played Christina as the later, mm-hmm. she said that Faye, like, was really like doing a lot and like she was hitting her chest she was slapping her face like she was going off on her to get the performance but it was just like not phase not meant for or not known for being likable or like taking other people's feelings and yeah. she was just going that's the thing is she that living this, her dang yeah. fantasy of being joe crawford there's this whole layer of like faye dunaway in this role kind of being this weird mirror to what the movie's about. Yeah, like, she is... Everyone on the film was like, she is a tyrant. She made everyone, like, turn their back to her, like, not watch her while she was performing. Like, she... She's just a, you know... She's a tricksty lady. Um, I found a really interesting Slate article about this. Um, And I believe, actually, our, our, you know, ultimate... Uh, Karina Longworth, who hosts um, You Must Remember This, she also did an episode on Faye Dunaway, Joan Crawford, and Mommy Dearest. Oh, really? Which I think I maybe listened to like several years ago. Anyway, I'm going to go back and rewatch. So recommend, even though we haven't heard it. Yeah. Um, And also, just like as the opening, I thought was very incredible. mm -hmm. It's like, it's just a woman who turns out to be Joan Crawford getting up, getting ready in her fabulous like house doing a sort of OCD cleanliness mm-hmm. uh, ritual uh, and then just getting ready for her film. And it was, the I don't know, I was like really sucked in at that first shot. Yeah. Like, this is going to be great. And it yeah. was kind of great. Even her, the way she like, the way she was with the maid who was cleaning the floor. Yeah. She like went to check up on the work and she kind of like crosses this line where you can feel everyone in the room like being like, being like ooh, bracing for one of her outbursts and then she kind of she obviously like recognizes that and then it's like I'm not mad at you I'm mad at the dirt I'm mad at the dirt and she, she does like she did a, such an incredible job of like every time you are talking to her mm-hmm. or a character is talking to her you don't know what if the next sentence she's going to twist and like turn uh, into, like, you know, just, like, if she's going to flip or mm-hmm. if she's just going to keep keep an even keel. And it made me feel like an abused person. I was, yeah, like, exactly. clenching, like, waiting for the for the twist. Yeah, it makes you walk on eggshells yeah, and the some, way an abuser does. I was, like, watching on eggshells. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, oh, the thing I was going to say, <laughs> I got distracted. In this Slate article, they talk about how... Um, Faye Dunaway claimed that the whole crew felt the weight of Joan's ghost to the extent that when shooting finished, they didn't even have a rap party because no one felt like it. But then other people said, no, we did have a rap party. She just didn't come. (laughs) Which I was like, okay, Ellen. (laughs) It's like Ellen with Dakota Johnson. Yeah, she, uh, I can see her, I can see her just the delusion of okay. like everyone is feeling so mm-hmm. down. We didn't even have a rap party, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we were celebrating not having to work we with you anymore, w- and you weren't invited." <laughs> Everything was normal. You were just, you were just wild. Well, she also is method, so I could imagine that this role would be 
quite torturous for a method actor. Oh, yeah. It's a lot to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, like, had no... Like, her levels were off the chain. This is why I'm, like... I feel like the director should have been up late here because she, every line delivery would be like, no, 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 And then she'd be like, because I'm damn mad. Like, yeah. And just like up and down. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, also, a part that I thought, there was a part that took me out of it a little bit where after the whole wire hanger scene, mm-hmm. um, then it moves into the bathroom. Uh, she whacks her with like soap. It's bad news. It's awful. And then she leaves. And then the the child actress just like rolls her eyes and is just like Jesus Christ, yeah, like, that with the also weight of like an out. old woman. And I was like, what's what is this? Like, yeah, who coached her to do this weird, like world weary thing? I don't know. Well, because that can happen with children who are abused or neglected, which is that they basically like are forced into an adult role and and to, you know, experience things that are far beyond what a child should experience yeah. and it has, like, psychological impacts, but... And I guess she was doing that. She was, like, making people cocktails. And- yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like they perfor- portrayed that really well, but that moment was just, like, too much. Like, she seemed like a 45-year-old... <laughs> I was like, this is a 45-year-old yeah. truck driver, not a, you know, 8-year-old, like, child. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, also, I love the end where the children they find out their mom actually oh there's even more to talk about so Christina becomes an actress herself in Mm -hmm. adulthood she gets a job on a soap opera Mm -hmm. and then she gets she has like an ovarian cyst or something she has to go in the hospital she can't work on her soap opera and then she the nurse turns on the TV and her mother Joan Crawford has graciously taken up playing her role as a like 23 year old woman yeah and and she is like drunk and like pilled out and just like can't remember her lines and old and old and christina's just like oh no mom yeah it's rough but then there are like no consequences of that um do you know if that really happened? I don't. I should. I meant to look it, it up and I forgot. Because that is that is something that obviously could be. There would be record. Record. I, it's. I feel like I have heard that before, but I wondered. Um, but yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh, but, but the anyway, end. the end. So the uh, Christina and her brother are li- at the will reading, and she's. Joan Crawford, as per usual, says, I don't give my children anything. They know why. And then he's like, well, she always got the last word. And then she says, does she? Mm. And I love that. Which is also, I believe, how the book ends. And that is something that makes me go, mm, this raises questions for me. Because that's very tidy. That's a very tidy it's quite tidy. Yeah. Um, also, another shady thing from this article Uh, Quote, biographer Fred Lawrence Giles later reported that Christina began writing the book before Crawford's Crawford's death and has suggested that Joan's knowledge of its contents may have been a factor in Joan cutting her daughter from the will. Oh. So there's a a world in which... I believe that, actually. I do, too. Anyway, it's very complicated, but... (laughs) (laughs) Complicated woman. Yeah. Two complicated women wrapped in one. Truly. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to have seen it. Yeah, I was, because I haven't seen it because I honestly was like hesitant because mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of content. 
uh, that I was that could be difficult. Yeah, and was. So I just like have, was like I'll never I haven't really found the the, t- the place and time to do it. Until and I then forced you. until Sonia forced me. Mm-hmm. Till Sonia had the last word. Aha! Uh-huh. Or did she? <laughs> I'm not leaving you anything in my will, Sean. <laughs> okay. That's any cool. any last thoughts on that before uh, we move into a little what you watching? Oh no, I don't think so. But that was a really fun exercise, and I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And your birthday mm-hmm. is coming up quite soon, and perhaps. We would just do the same conceit. I think we perhaps should. Because it is I think fun. that's maybe what we did last year. Is it really? It might be. I've, I don't know. Time is an illusion. God, this, mem- this memory. Well, this this timeline that we're all in makes it hard to remember. Damn things. you, Dr. Strange. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> well, with that, let's leave your birthday episode behind and uh, move into the little segment we call What You Watching. So, Sean, what you been watching? Um, well, I finished this season on Netflix that I was watching called Q-Force. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an animated uh, series about a spy group um, like uh, of all queer agents that are not being <laughs> that nobody respects in their agency but then they break a case and they are on the, on the job and they are breaking breaking new molds and it is really cute and like ridiculous and really good like funny writing good voicing sean hayes uh wanda sykes Mm. patty harrison and matt rogers are in it and oh david uh from (laughs) black widow (laughs) and david harbour david harbour oh yeah anyway um and yeah, so I I had a great time. Fun. And I suggest. There's it's animated, a, right? Did it's animated, that? yeah. Mm. There's a character who has, um, who is in like an athletic sort of can slip into small places, and he is famously has these jelly bones that helps him. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it's really gross, but really funny. Mm. Anyway, yeah, that's all. That's all. You that's all from Q Force. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm also in the midst of watching uh, it, the series haven't ended yet, but I'm watching Reservation Dogs. And mm. I'm also watching Only Murders in the Building, which is very fun. Um, I don't know if I told you. I probably told the audience about that. Selena Gomez has kind of a weird speaking voice, which I didn't <laughs> expect. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, great. Well, that's uh, what I'm following. I... Sonia? watched a little movie um from 2003 oh called down with love oh yeah because i this was one of my ideas for your birthday episode but then you had seen it yeah um but then i wanted to watch it, <laughs> it was honestly you made me head. kind of want to watch it again too yeah um honestly it's so funny um and stylish so stylish oh my god the coats Um, So basically, this is about um, Renee Zellweger uh, writes, is this like small town Maine librarian, allegedly, um, (laughs) who writes this book called Down With Love. It's set in the 60s. that suggests that women should swear off love forever and focus on their careers so that they can, you know, advance you know, right. rights for women. Right. Uh, you know, it's a very neoliberal feminism, a very, very second wave girl boss moment. Got it, got it. But it still. Is the 60s. Um, and 
her she has her agent um or no her editor played by sarah paulson who is delightful in this um decides that the best way for them to get promotion is for her to get a cover story by one catcher block (laughs) such a funny name (laughs) played by ewan mcgregor um this womanizing journalist for no magazine Mm-hmm. Uh, the the preeminent men's magazine. His editor, David Hyde Pierce, also great. Okay, uh, it's just a really good foursome. Chuck a block. Um, is has the hots for Sarah Paulson's character, and so he forces Catcher Block to do this article so that he can go out to dinner with them. Um, you know, right? <laughs> normal business. A lot thing. of machinations. Many machinations. Basically. He doesn't, Ketra Block decides he doesn't want to do the article, so he's going to try to annoy Renee Zellweger's character um, by not showing up and repeatedly canceling on her. Also, he assumes she's ugly because she's a feminist, right. um, and then is very upset when he finds out she's hot. Shock. Um Yada, 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 some things happen. Um, she basically, after he cancels on her for like the fourth time, and she finds out that he's canceling on her for uh, so that he can go sleep with women, um, she says, like, never talk to me again. Um, and then he finds out she's hot because her book gets extremely famous. Every woman in the world reads it. Um, and there's a cover. There's a cover, and, and he sees what she looks like. Um I feel like I'm going into too much detail. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Twist and Sue, he pretends to be this, like, sweet American boy so that he can get her to fall in love with him and prove that the, quote-unquote, down-with-love girl is not actually down-with-love girl and that all women fundamentally want to fall in love. So, yes, there is quite a bit of so casual many, misogyny in so this So many machinations. Um, you know, twists and turns, twists and turns. They fall in love. Um, and then some things happen that I think I actually won't spoil mm, okay. because the ending is really funny and absurd, honestly. Um, but it's 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 basically a sex comedy. <laughs> like I love that. <laughs> there's so much innuendo. There's so much like mad cappery. Um, there's this one scene where they're on the phone and it's like a split screen and he's like doing push-ups and she's like lying on the floor so it, it splits the screen horizontally so it looks oh, like he's doing course. push-ups on top of her mm-hmm. and then she's like bending over. Like, <laughs> There's so many moments like that that I forgot about and those moments honestly feel very 2003. Yeah. Um, but also made me laugh a few times. Uh, Sarah Paulson gets hit by a couch at one point. <laughs> like a Murphy bed like pops out on her. Uh, yeah. Basically, honestly, I would recommend. I would I would love to rewatch. Yeah. If you want like a a lighthearted, silly romantic comedy that has really great fashion and set design and some really fun performances. And Ewan McGregor's awful American accent, which is my favorite thing. Oh. He uh, he does an American accent a lot, does he? Yeah, he he can do it. Like, but it just is that thing I love. Where I guess he usually plays like a southern dude. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like I heard once that uh, UK accents are find it easier to do like mm-hmm. a southern accent because like some of the I don't know syllables are like the same or something. Yeah, like the dropped R's and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I feel like it's the vowels that will tell you that someone's European and they're doing an American accent. It'll give it away every time. Give it away every time. That makes me laugh. 
Anyway, that is all the time we have for this week. I would like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Amanatuna, my co-host Sean, and sweet Jeremy at home. Um, uh, everyone Jeremy. here at CJTR, <laughs> and to you, our listeners, for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Thursdays at noon, and is available as a podcast on CJTR's website and anywhere else you get your podcast. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. The Arts Guide on 91.3 FM.